Hello and welcome to Renegade Mama. I am your host, Natalie Rees. Today on the show, I speak to my brother Alex and sister-in-law Laura about the free birth of their firstborn child, Chloe. Alex and Laura aren't your typical free birthers, if there is such a thing. Laura works in a hospital ED as a physio, and Alex works in the family business as a plumber. They aren't hippie or particularly political about birth, although I think this kind of has changed after having Chloe. But uh, after researching, they came to the understanding that birth works best when it's left alone. And it certainly paid off for them. I think this interview is great for a number of reasons. It's not often we hear a male view of birth and of course it's so important when they are such an integral part of the process. I also love how you can see clearly in the interview how much they trust each other and also how much uh, how Alex made sure that Laura was really protected in her pregnancy and birth journey. The role of birthing partner can often be underestimated and I can't stress enough how important and helpful it is when your partner is on board. I had a lot of laughs in this one and the convo really flowed because, well, we're family. Enjoy listening. Okay, well, welcome to the Renegade Mama, Alex and Laura. Thanks, Nat. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Hey, Nat. How are you? So today is a bit of a special episode. It's the first time that I have had one of my family members on the podcast. Now, Alex is my brother and Laura is my sister-in-law. And the reason I got them on this podcast is because they just uh, free birthed their little baby girl five months ago. Her name's Chloe. She's sitting here with us today as well. So you might hear a little gurgles in the background. Yeah, and so I just wanted to, yeah, hear their journey, um, especially because they are your, not your typical home birthers or free birthers in the fact that um, you're not particularly political about home birth or free birth. Would you say that? Yeah, totally. I feel like we're just like a normal couple and... A free birth is probably a bit more abstract for some couples and their like journey. So I feel like it's a bit we're a bit different, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, could you guys maybe introduce yourselves just a little bit about who each of you are and uh, what you do? Um, sure, sure. So um, I'm a physio. I've worked at a tertiary hospital since I graduated from university. Um, and yeah, just, that's me really. Cool. And Alex? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a plumber by trade. I'm 30, 32 years old, I suppose. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just a guy, yeah, still playing footy, having a crack anyway, <laughs> sort of getting to the end of it, but <laughs> still having a go. But yeah, just sort of like you're saying, sort of everyday sort of people just, Living life and living it the way we want to live it, I suppose. Yeah, awesome. Okay. So let's talk about um, your journey to conceiving Chloe. Because mm-hmm. um, you guys were – how long have you been together for? 13 years or 14. No, 13. Yeah, about 13 years. About 13 years, yeah. Okay, so a long time. Um 
And then you got married how many years ago? One year, January of 2019. Okay. And so then you were always planning to conceive after. Yeah. Yeah. I always wanted to be married before I had a baby. Yep. Um, so I said to Alex, no, I'm waiting until I get a ring. <laughs> and then um, obviously we got married and then, um, yeah, then we obviously wanted to start our family after that. Um, but and, th- and then, sorry, I was just going to ask you about, um, conscious, con, um, not conception, um, contraception. That's what I'm trying to say, because you guys used a device called the lady comp, which I guess helps with, I guess you could call it natural family planning. Yeah. So we've used the lady comp for about six years. So I would check my body temperature every morning at five o'clock when my alarm would go off and I'd put the little like stick on the end under my tongue and um, basically it would tell us when we could um, like have sex and have a baby or like safely have sex and not have a baby Um, and yeah and our lady comp also predicted the gender of our baby as well so that's cool it was quite interesting because Alex and I never knew what we were going to have like gender wise for a baby and it predicted that we were going to have a girl and it was right so yeah you did you specifically try for a girl or that was just coincidence no it was just coincidence we were just we were happy with whatever came out yeah but um but based on when you had sex the lady cop predicted that you would have had a girl yeah exactly because the idea is i think the further away from ovulation the more likely it is to be a girl yeah yeah yep okay cool so how did you guys alex were you you were i don't know how maybe i'm speaking out of turn but you were probably a little bit more ready for kids before laura do you think that's true um (laughs) yeah I, i think so i think um I suppose Laura, like with the Italian sort of background and Nonna and her mum and everyone, they're very big on the marriage and get everything set up before you sort of start to have kids, get the house and all that. Yeah. Um, I'm sort of not as much that and being together for so long, I suppose it was um, we, I wasn't worried about if we had a kid whenever, you know, like we'd been yeah. together, what, 11 years before we got married. So, um, yeah, it didn't really bother me at all, but... Yeah. Um, yeah. So, it just I, I it probably what pushed me to actually pop the question really was was like I sort of was getting to a point where I wanted to have kids, and I sort of knew Laura was always saying that she wasn't she wanted to be married first and do it so called right way as yeah. her family would or her mum and Nonna would probably think. But um, yeah. So and it, it, I've got nothing against marriage or anything like that. I, I think it's a great thing to do and all that. So yeah, that probably did speed me up a little bit, if you could call eleven years speeding me up. But um. <laughs> Yeah, and then that's probably, yeah, cool. from there. Okay, so let's talk about, yeah, how you um, plan to conceive Chloe. Was she, I guess, a conscious conception is like the buzzword at the moment. Like, were you consciously trying to conceive her? And um, I think we started like that. Uh, I think because we had the lady comp yeah, and it does make it, especially when you've been doing it for a long time, I think... Um, it does allow you to really, you know, when like, yeah, you should have sex or whatever for um, having a boy or a girl. Like, I know that's not perfect science, but it's still sort of science. And um, it's, I think we were moving house actually at the time. 
And to be honest, I think I find it when you actually try, I found it was, um, it puts a lot of stress on, I don't know if it's on the girl, but I know there's a lot more stress on the guy, which you never even thought that you'd have. Yeah. But um, I did find that. And then so after that first, in the first month, we didn't um, fall pregnant or Laura didn't fall pregnant. When you had sex in the fertile period. Yeah. Yeah, And that was the first month we sort of did it and like without like in the fertile period without a condom or anything. Yeah. And um, yeah, we, we were moving, um, yeah, moving house. So I think there was a bit of stress involved with that. We just bought a new place and all that sort of stuff. But then after that, we just said, yeah, we're not even going to really look at the lady comp or anything like that we'll just have sex and see what happens and then that next month it was first shot sort of thing so when you're relaxed and yeah not worried about it it was all good yeah cool um and talk to me about finding out that you were pregnant like did the lady comp tell you first or like yeah what yeah did you so, know when you had fallen pregnant yeah so basically the lady comp um said it came up with like these lights that would flash and it would say like potential kind of pregnancy potentially pregnant yeah and it does that for three three or four days I think and then the lights flash and then when the lights are all on it means that it's a confirmed pregnancy yeah um and so um I like we were just in bed and I'd taken my temperature and I'd rolled over to Alex and said, we're having a baby because <laughs> it was confirmed. <laughs> so, yeah, no, that was pretty special. But um, how, so, did yeah. you, how did you feel? I, I was just stoked. I was just really happy. Like I just, I don't know, like like Alex said, like because we've been together for so long, it was just kind of the natural progression of our relationship and we were very ready to have kids and yeah. like we just moved into our like family home and yeah we were just excited to bring a baby into the world um did you uh, I guess what I was going to ask before is did you know when you'd had sex that time that you had conceived like did you have a feeling or anything no no so no, you I didn't no. really have any of, it was just bang and that's it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so talk me through the pregnancy. So how long um, did you guys keep it to yourself? You kept it to yourselves oh, for yeah, a little bit. Oh, yeah, we kept it to ourselves for a while. So we told our, like, closest friends and you yep. um, when we were about five weeks pregnant, I think. And then we kept it from our families um, till we were three months pregnant. Yeah. Um, and then I didn't tell work till I was 28 weeks pregnant. (laughs) Um, but I had a really great pregnancy. Like I wasn't sick. I was a bit tired, but like I wasn't nauseous and I, I think I gained about nine kilos in total. Um, like you were tiny. Yeah. I, I, I don't think you could really tell I was like really pregnant <laughs> yeah um until like the very end so yeah work was quite surprised I think when I said I was pregnant and they're like you you what it's how far along I was like yep like I'm finishing work soon <laughs> why why didn't you tell them 
was it to, was it to do with a, like a little bit of a career thing, wasn't yeah. it? Because if you told them, then they wouldn't kind of potentially give you a um, job or a... yeah. So I was applying for like a more senior position, and if I was successful in that, then I would have got maternity leave at a higher pay grade. Yeah. Um, but it turns out that I didn't get the position. But I was going to get a higher pay grade because I'd been acting in a like senior position for quite some time anyway. So I probably could have told them a lot earlier than I did, but it was actually quite nice um, not telling them. And then towards the end of my pregnancy anyway at work, it was all coronavirus and COVID-19 and all of that stuff and that in a hospital wasn't exactly the most exciting um, time to be working so I I finished work at 34 weeks and then um, had Chloe at 39 weeks and three days. (laughs) Wow that's cool. Um, So talk me through the process of deciding what kind of birth you wanted to have. So that question is, yeah, if I hadn't met Alex and hadn't have known you, then my answer would be very different. Um, a lot of my probably initial plan would have been to go to a private hospital and have an obstetrician and have a very structured path because that's all I thought that was available to me and that's what all my friends had and having a home birth was not even really an like an idea at all that I had in my mind um but Alex and and has been doing research over the many many years um about home birth and the types of birth that we could have and we just decided that we just wanted to be just us at home um because that was us yeah yeah, Alex, do you want to speak to that? Um, yeah, I think I think I suppose with a lot of the things that we have done due to parenting, like a lot of it probably does come from you originally. Like, and <laughs> even when you had the home birth originally, I was like, I think we were like, oh, that's a bit different. Yeah. And then like you go through everything, you know, and it, like the EC training and all that sort of stuff, and you sort of think because it's just so not the norm. And um, I think, yeah, we just saw you do it and we're like, oh, okay. Didn't, you don't even think about it as an option really like because you just get told sort of what you're doing a lot of the time. And then, but I'm probably a person that's big on, um, I use a lot of logic, I suppose. And I looked at what you did and I said, okay, that's a bit different. But then you sort of think about it. I like to think about things and do, yeah, from there, start to do a bit of research. And you spoke to me and told me things and... um it uh, that's what sort of I just thought it made sense to me. It just really mm. made sense to be in your own home, and I hate hospitals, so that probably is another thing as well. I really hate hospitals, you know. So um, yeah, it's, it's like that Jim Gaffigan, um, <laughs> the uh, stand-up comedy is like, didn't your wife want to give birth in a hospital gown someone died in yesterday? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's like, well, it's, yeah. It's a bit ironic, really, because I suppose Laura works in a hospital every day and yeah. I'm just I can't stand them you know like I, even I've had surgeries and all that I'm always either just gone in and just got it fixed and gone out that night or yeah basically I think once or twice when I've 
had like face surgery with broken bones and stuff. I sort of had to stay overnight, but I've just come out the next morning, just like, yeah, I'm out of here because it's just, it's not my sort of cup of tea, you know? Yeah. Who wants to be in a place with other sick people? Doesn't really make sense. Yeah. It's just not. And, and I think this, like I said, the idea of just having it at home and being able to get to bed straight away in your own bed, mm-hmm. I just couldn't think of anything worse. And it was just, I suppose, the, like, you start to think about it because you don't even think about it. But once you start to think about, having the home birth it is you think about yeah like why would you want a million people around you and all these sort of things and um like i said i think you probably the big thing one bit of advice you gave me that was good was try and um well before you even think about having a baby try and research it and understand it a little bit because everyone just no one just understand like no one's even thought about it and everyone waits till they get pregnant and then you've sort of in a rush of nine months of going shit or less because like you sort of got to sort of make the decision probably a bit more before the nine months is <laughs> exactly. up exactly and then you're in a rush so that was i think probably the best advice really you gave me because you would have said that to me years before we even started thinking about it. so i took it on myself laura probably didn't really because I think people just aren't interested in it, but I don't. I'm I, I'm probably interested a little bit in like researching anything, whether it be yeah birth or making beer or making <laughs> sausage or <laughs> whatever it is. I, I like to. So I'm one of those people that likes to go all in with like yeah, whatever I'm interested in. So yeah. yeah, yeah. It's interesting that so many people don't think about pregnancy. It's because we like, especially women, we spend so many years avoiding it. And then suddenly when we're like going to, um, yeah, conceive, it's like, oh, I haven't thought about, I mean, I did also think about it quite a lot um, because I'm, yeah, a research queen and whatever. But um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I think that is good advice. Pat myself on the back. Um. (laughs) I think think also it's a lot of, um, we're really growing, starting to like, the world's just all about it's not your problem. Like you just give the decision to someone else, you know, like you just go doctors. Yeah. They'll, they'll sort the baby out for me when it comes. I don't have to worry about it or whatever it might be, you know, but you sort of think I'm more of the opinion, like, and like, I suppose you've, we've spoken about this before and it's just like, you have to take responsibility for it Mm -hmm. as well. And a lot of people aren't prepared to take responsibility for things anymore they want to just palm it off to someone else and go okay you take responsibility but i'm sort of more of the thinking that i'd rather take responsibility and take responsibility for the good stuff and the consequences whatever each way it would be and yeah i think that's a better way to live your life from my point of view than just to keep putting it in someone else's hands who it's only their job at the end of the day exactly (laughs) and i always think that guess what you're gonna have um more of a um desire to make things work because it's your life yeah like you say it's only a job for them but for you it's your life your child so you're going to really make sure that you do the right thing by them oh that's right yeah yeah i think i think it's very like and you sort of know once you have a child you sort of will do anything to look after them or Mm -hmm. um people think you're being like irresponsible by doing a certain thing or this and we had like a few people thinking it wasn't the greatest idea but and everyone, wait, when you tell someone you're having a home birth, it's just the straight up, oh, what what about complications? And you go, yeah, what complications are you talking about? And no one can actually generally give you an answer. They normally give you a generic, what about the cords around its neck or something like that? Yeah, and that. they don't know anything and about that. Yeah, you do. Like, you obviously, you, you go through them and you weigh up your options. And 
it's not for everyone, but um, we made the decision and um, yeah, we stuck with it and it's probably one of the best things we've ever done. Yeah. And it's also about like, if there's that fear, like for example, yeah, like the example you used, oh, the cord around the neck, well, you go do some research around that. Is that actually a bad thing? Oh no, it's not. It's one third of all births and, you know, unwrap the cord around the baby's neck when it comes out. And I think having like Chloe during coronavirus, like because having a baby in a hospital in Western Australia at the time, you were only allowed to have like one or two visitors um, in a hospital. Mm. So a lot of my family, once I told them that we'd had Chloe at home and that we could have all the family over to visit the next day, they were all stoked. They were like, sweet, we're coming over first thing in the morning. <laughs> the big Italian family. But yeah. um, if I had Chloe in the hospital, then I wouldn't have seen like my mom or like any of my extended family because I would be in a hospital setting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and just on that as well, it's just it's funny when the lead up to it, everyone's telling you, oh, and I think it's just like you said, the fear around it all. Mm-hmm. It's always the fear, and that's anything in life. If you're scared or it's fear based, then yeah, you will sort of freak out. But um, as soon as you tell them you've had the baby and she's happy, healthy, everything's all good, it's not even a question that you had a home birth anymore it's just oh that's great yeah come let's see the baby you know like no one really even talks about it after that but leading up to it yeah everyone and yeah we probably delayed it we only told not a lot of people and then we sort of delayed telling a few people as well just so that we didn't have to deal with the stress right up to it yeah you you had a few alternate stories is that right yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) to certain people yeah we definitely made up we, we made the decision that um it was we just had to just put it in our own words to certain people so that we um i thought this like i, I don't really ever lie and it's just one of those things yeah we thought it was better to do that and make sure laura was in a good place mm-hmm. because like i said all this stuff that people it's really weird how everyone just wants to throw the negative energy on top of you for mm-hmm. doing something that's not so-called the norm or the mainstream yeah and um rather than supporting you a lot of people will just yeah sort of tell you it's a bad idea or this or that or the other i'm like we're very lucky that like we have a lot of people around us that are very good as well but um we just decided look keep it sort of in the little circle a little bit Mm -hmm. so that we didn't have to deal with it more than anything rather than deal with it um yeah yeah and i think um something i would commend you on alex is that you're very good at um that typical protector role like you really do protect Laura and you made sure no one was gonna give her any shit or if they did you would really stand up and say no you don't kind of touch my wife and I think that's a kind of um, really big thing in birth in general that these women aren't getting protected in their birth spaces and their men are allowing essentially which you know may be a bit far but this abuse to happen right in the front of their eyes because those men are too scared of the system as well and um, they're not standing up and making sure their women are protected and it's not anyone's fault or whatever but it is what's happening women are getting abused in hospitals and it's affecting their partners and they're coming out with PTSD as well yeah and I think being at home this was like our safe place and I felt very safe at home and I knew that Alex had researched till the cows had come home and that 
we just both trusted each other a hundred percent in the whole process. And when you are about to give birth, when you've never done it before and it's just the two of you and you're feeling really safe and secure, it's just honestly the best thing. Like I wouldn't imagine got being anywhere else because it would just be such a different and really an awful experience in my in my eyes but it just felt so nice and beautiful at home and again like Alex said like it's not for everyone but um it was yeah definitely the right decision for us yeah um so talk me through your pregnancy and how – so you did decide to have a midwife because you were toying with the idea right at the start to whether just to do a free birth and you said you'd quite you, – you, at the start you didn't necessarily feel comfortable with that, right? Yeah, totally. So I, I think we both decided we wanted to have a private midwife there, um, someone that we could consult um, in the antenatal period and postnatal and almost as like – that reassurance and that mm-hmm. guidance, knowing that, yeah, this is all on track, this is all okay. Um, because having a free birth was probably a bit scary for us maybe um, in at the very beginning of pregnancy. Like we weren't really sure if that was our cup of tea. Um, but towards the end and then obviously whilst I was having Chloe, I was like, well, what's the point of actually having another person sit and watch you when you're semi-naked and you're at your like rawest and you're not like overly like happy and joyful like um like we just really didn't want that so I was like no let's just keep going and let's just keep doing our thing because it's it's working and you can see the head coming out so like it's almost here so let's just go yeah well there's that saying what got the baby in gets the baby out and it's like yeah do you want someone sitting there watching you have sex would be a lot harder it's exactly the same with giving a baby giving birth to a baby so do you really want someone watching that? Unless they are your like most intimate, um, you know, friend or mom or p- uh, partner or whatever. But yeah, and and we did have the most amazing midwife. Um, she was awesome, and it was really really nice. Like throughout the actual pregnancy at home, um, Alex would like cook, give her a ring or a text message and say, "This is what we're up to. Like this is what what's happening." Because during the day I wasn't feeling great because I was having contractions like on and off. And then Alex was like, yeah, nah, I think this baby's coming tonight. <laughs> so, um, so like it was really good to have that reassurance and then that um, like feedback knowing that, yep, yeah, all's on track, all's good. Yeah, and I, I think like with choosing a midwife um, – like to have a midwife was I suppose it's probably a little bit of that that conditioning that you get that you have to be part of the system as well from our like because we've grown up just sort of the normal sort of family as most people do and I suppose that even for us was probably more of a to have your mind at ease like you still have that little bit of the uh the doctors involved if you know what I mean if you really need it and um or the nurses or whatever but um and the thing about us was like it's good to have and it's not going to hurt anyone and obviously we 
like got the right midwife as well because that's probably um the other thing as well you got to get the right midwife um so yeah we were lucky like that and to be like when it comes to that sort of stuff i was like yeah you, how are you going to find a midlife like that and then when you recommended narafia to us um i thought well if natalie's recommending someone <laughs> in the medical world then <laughs> she must be pretty on the same page as us so um yeah because it's sort of unheard of for natalie to sort of agree with more medical people but um well narafi is pro-choice and that's what i really like about yeah, her exactly. you know if you guys decided you wanted a c-section she'd support you in that if you decided you want a free birth she'd support you in that and that's what i really yeah love about it and she's yeah. not gonna use her status to try and tell you what to do mm. and with the like having the midwife as well i suppose it was um to just originally like i suppose you probably like you said before we're going to go oh well we'll just go to a hospital or whatever and then i'd spoken about it with you a bit but then when we you did get pregnant i probably said to you um what about a free birth because first you i was like let's have a home birth and you were sort of pretty on board with that you're like yeah cool cool sounds good we'll get our midwife and all that and then i think i just said well why don't we just do a free birth and i think you were a bit like oh yeah i don't know about that that's a bit too full-on um but then yeah i suppose once once we got there we just by the time we'd got there i think you were in just such a good place and everything was we were just happy and we were trusting in one another and that we'd got we've shed all that fear around it mm-hmm. which i think is a huge yeah, part because you can just it, yeah. see like you could really see if you weren't in the right headspace, you could freak out. Yeah, and you really could go could. wrong. And that's when things do go wrong in home births and free births. If you're not trusting and you haven't worked through your fear, then guess what? You know, the oxytocin doesn't ha- happen and you hemorrhage and whatever. But if you're trusting and you believe that this is the right thing and that oxytocin flows and everything works perfectly. Yeah, it's just the fear and the fear of the unknown, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And I, I saw that even like going through the whole labor. It was... I think there was like when you hit a certain like when your waters broke or something like that like I could see you were like you had a look on your face of a little bit worried like because like what are we doing mm-hmm. there's no one else here <laughs> <laughs> and but then I think then the waters broke and I think that reassured you a lot and it was like because it's the, the right things sort of thing are happening like what they want to what everyone says is the right things you know like the right steps are starting to happen so that happened and then next minute it's like you could just see the look in your face it's just a determined look let's go for it like let's let's finish it off and get little chloe out sort of thing so it was yeah good. um and i think what else is really interesting so you had um some family members that weren't so keen on the idea like you mentioned before but the other really interesting thing is your nonna had was it all her babies or like eight of her babies or something at home? Yeah. So nonna had, my nonna had six of her six. seven babies oh, at seven. home. Okay. Yeah. Um, but it was a huge thing in my like mum's side of the family of you've got to go to hospital. Like which hospital are you going to? Um, <coughs> like who's your obstetrician? And often the who's your gynecologist? <laughs> yeah. No, no mum, it's an obstetrician. Yeah. <laughs> But, um, yeah, no, we were just not really. And it's fascinating, like, um, how it's changed so much just from one generation. So Nonna had her babies at home 
And then the next generation have been completely institutionalized to think that hospital was the best and only place to give birth. I mean, was your nonna even saying, oh, you're going to hospital? She she asked me, but I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, and quite vague about it all. But nonna and I are really close, so I think deep down nonna knew that I was yeah. going to have a baby at home. And I was like, oh, I'll see nonna, yeah, all's good. <laughs> <laughs> so she, um, I think she was a bit sus, yeah. um, but everyone else knew a story that we were planned to go to hospital and that way of telling them a little white lie just meant that I was a lot happier yeah. and at the end of the day, like Alex said, like once Chloe had arrived, like they're like, oh, you're at home, great, we'll come over. Like, <laughs> oh, that's amazing, she's here. So, um, yeah, no, it was yeah definitely the right decision for us to – like protect yourselves protect ourselves yeah totally yeah cool okay and so throughout the pregnancy um what kind of medical care did you have so we had a doctor's appointment who gave us the referral to Nerafia. oh yeah to get your medicare rebate yeah yep. to get my rebate yeah which is i think for future reference for anyone is about 470 bucks okay <laughs> um and then we didn't have any scans. Yep. Uh, you had bloods. I had blood tests, yeah. Mm-hmm. And only because I didn't actually know what my blood group was. Yep. Um, and it did show that I was on borderline low iron, but the GP was like, you could either like improve that with your diet or you could go on these iron supplements. I was like, I'll stick with diet, thanks. Yep. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> and then you never got it checked again either, did no, you? No. Well, I had like eight or nine vials of blood taken at that blood test and then the pathologist wasn't very nice and I like almost fainted and I was like, yeah, no, nah, I'm not doing this, this again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, and also what are the alternatives? You know, you can eat a really good diet and take responsibility and make sure that you're going to get it up or you could go and take some drugs or have an iron infusion or all these yeah, different things. Yeah. It's like. I think I'll just take responsibility and eat better. Yeah, exactly right. And that's what I did. And I felt fine. Like that was probably also around Christmas time and our best friends were getting married and it was just a real hectic end of the year. Like we wanted to do lots of renos in the house before our friends came to stay with us. So we were just nonstop go, go, go. So I was like, of course I'm going to be tired. Even if I wasn't pregnant, I'd be that darn tired because... We were just doing so much all the time, like before work, after work, like it was just constant. So, so like the low iron wasn't really, didn't really bother me. So yeah, no, we, um, yeah, we just had the blood test and that was it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. We just, you had the blood test at the start. We went and saw, like you said, the, the, um, got the referral and all that and, yeah, I just, I, I suppose I was of the opinion, I think you were similar, is like really, it's, it's a really funny one to talk to people about because so many people that, it, it's hard to talk to other people who are going, like having their babies and they're going to these tests and scans on, seems like almost like weekly basis. And you just like, we didn't do any of it. And I, I didn't really tell a whole heap of people because it sort of makes them, I think, feel like 
like you're, I don't know, I don't know what it is, but you just people get defensive about it for some reason, just because it's yeah. different to what they're doing. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, like, and I was always of the opinion, it's like, what, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do if it's got two heads? As I think someone said. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think I said, well, we'll make a shit ton of money out of probably the either the circus or. <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe, I don't know, something would make a lot of money if we had a baby with two heads, but... Um, Woman's Day. Yeah, Woman's yeah. Day. Nice story. The couple with two heads. No, but you know what I mean? Like, I just thought, what really, I, I sort of, with the... Like, yeah, I'm not going to, we were never going to do anything, even if there was anything wrong. Yeah. My understanding anyway is that there's not really many things they can do, even if they see something wrong with your baby in there. Exactly. I think also um, a few of our friends have been told on their pregnancy journey misinformation as well Um, and that's freaked the couple out massively and then gone, oh, actually, no, that actually isn't right, like a few weeks later and they've just had weeks and weeks of stress Mm -hmm. and stressing over nothing. Like, But in the meantime, they've just been like, all over the shop worrying about their baby having like a tumour or something yeah. because that's what they thought they saw, like well, what the doctor saw on the scanning, just like, oh, gosh. like Yeah, and it's just like why, like you say, have all these weeks of worry and then to find out it's um, wrong or right or whatever. But I, I also think, you know, for example, let's say your child does have a disability, um, you know, let's say you're – child has down syndrome or something whatever and if you find out then you have to live with that worry your whole pregnancy oh my god what are they going to do whereas if you gave birth to that baby and they were had a disability down syndrome whatever you would be like oh you would just be so happy to give birth and that would be your baby and it wouldn't be a bad thing whereas you can really I don't know intellectualize I don't know what the word is but you're going to love your baby regardless. And I think also, you know, I'm pro-choice, but having a baby with a disability for me is not necessarily a bad thing either. Yeah. Yeah. And I think as well, that's like, it's hard, like I said, to talk to people as well about it because so many of them have had issues or problems and it's always, oh, we're lucky we had that because of this this and this otherwise this this and this would have happened and you sort of I, I think to myself a lot of the time when you hear these things you're just like i understand where you're coming from but like these doctors are just like hypothesizing a lot of the time about what could happen or they've created the problem or, yeah or they've done something and created something and then they're telling you oh well you're lucky we saw that or this or we're so lucky you had it in the hospital so we could intervene and nearly kill yeah. your baby and then save it yeah and yeah like i said it is hard to talk to people because people do get defensive and you're not trying to like say what they're doing is wrong or anything because it's everyone's choice to do it how they want to do it but you just want to share knowledge with people that you have found but apparently like learning your own sort of things whether it be on the internet or books or whatever apparently we're not allowed to do that the only people that are allowed to do that are doctors because (laughs) everyone else is too stupid to actually understand reading yeah exactly um i don't know 
I don't know we why just, that is. You have to, have to do exactly what the doctors say. Yeah. And, Consult um, with your doctor because they are your oracle of information. You do not have a brain. Yeah. Oh, and that's the thing. And it's not doctor bashing or anything, but it's just one of those things that there's, in my dealings with a lot of, say, doctors or whoever, I've just had really bad experiences because they, they a lot of them belittle you and mm-hmm. they basically treat you like you know nothing about your own body. And I'm sort of thinking, like, I'm not a car that, um, I know I'm not the manufacturer, but it's like it's my body like it's it's something very complex and i don't think anyone can really understand it fully no it is so like if if it was fully understood then would ne- wouldn't have any issues yeah. we'd live forever from doctors you know but t- yeah to me there's still a lot of people dying <laughs> yeah of a lot of things yeah exactly and especially malpractice and yeah like i say um you know and and like you say as well, we're not trying to doctor bash because there's a lot of amazing doctors there doing great things. But in my experience, the medical system has more often than not caused more problems than it's actually fixed. Yeah. And really when, like I said, I do research on a lot of different things. And like I said, you hit like people listen to you say that and they still think that you're not allowed to do your own research. And I still, it just blows my mind that you're not allowed to research yourself, but um, well, according to some. Oh, people, and then when you have a a great birth like you guys did, and you did yeah, all your research, lucky. you're just lucky. Yeah, just, just really lucky. lucky. You're so lucky. Nothing went wrong. Yeah, that's what I got told after my birth. You're really lucky. Yeah. Oh no, that's right. But yeah, it's um, yeah, it's like I said, it's all about taking responsibility for yourself. If you're not in that right headspace and you don't want to go down that track, that's fine. Like. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Put your put your child's life in the hands of someone else if you if that's what you want. If to that's do. who you believe is the believe, the best person, and that's yeah, fine. That, that's completely fine. But I was just with all my dealings with like the medical system and all that sort of stuff. Not that it's been a huge amount, but in the small amount, which makes it even worse. And and that was the thing. Like even when Laura rung up the because coronavirus was happening at the time. And her work wanted her to talk to her GP um, about what she should do because she was in the front line, sort of almost, sort of of. Yeah, because coronavirus was so dangerous, they still had you on the front line as a pregnant woman. Yeah, and but and the thing in the emergency department. So they wanted her to talk to her GP, which okay, fair enough. Like that's that's what it is. A hospital they wanted you to talk to the GP before they made a decision what to do with Laura, and. she rung her GP and they were like, oh, we'll have to get back to you. And I'm thinking, okay, so this is the biggest pandemic in the world apparently and um, we'll have to get back to you because God knows why. And Just meanwhile, you're still working in the hospital. Yeah, still working it's in the hospital dangerous. for a couple of weeks. And I think you rung again and then they said, we'll get back to you again. And then they ended up getting back to you. The receptionist, I think it was, the doctor didn't even ring you. And they said, oh, no, you haven't even told us you're pregnant, so we don't want to know about it, basically. And didn't they also say that um, you hadn't been to the doctor enough? Yeah, you haven't been here in like a year or two or five years. Five, five years. You're it? so healthy you haven't been for five years, so no, she can't yeah, comment or represent happened, you. Well, that happened to a mate of mine the other day as well. He said, oh, you haven't been here in two years. Like, what's going on? He's like, yeah, I've been healthy. Like, I only <laughs> ring you when I'm sick. <laughs> and he was sort of thinking the same thing. He's like, isn't that a good thing? <laughs> like, 
<laughs> and that's what it, I still think so much of it does come back to the money and all this sort yeah. of stuff like they'll probably love in it having their all their phone consults and all yeah. this with like yeah don't come in we'll just do our five minute phone consult yeah. and chuck that on Medicare thanks yeah. for coming um, and I, I think I don't know how true this is but I read somewhere um, that in ancient China uh, the doctors were paid if you were healthy so everyone would pay their doctor in the town if they were healthy. And when they got sick, they stopped paying them. So they had an incentive to actually get you better. So they started getting paid again. Isn't that a cool way to reverse it? Yeah. Oh, and it, and that's the thing about it. It is so controversial to a lot of people about the whole medical system, about them. Like when you say, oh, it's all about money. But when you actually just trace, like the, it's the old saying of just trace the money and you see where it goes, you know. And, Big pharma. And it, and it always just, it leads to it leads to the wrong spots every time, every time. And that's the thing with so many of these scientists and all this sort of stuff. I know we're going off track here a little bit yep. from birth, but it's, they've always, generally, yeah, they've always got a, the right, like the right mind to do the right thing and all this sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, there's someone paying them. Exactly. And if they say, well, no, nah, we're not doing this or that or the other. And like a lot of whistleblower scientists have come out and said certain things against a lot of different drugs and all this sort of stuff. And, but yeah, apparently it just doesn't make the news and no one wants to know about it. And it's all a conspiracy theory, even though it's like, you can actually watch it in black and white and on, on like actual people talking and but yeah. yeah apparently it's all just bullshit it's but. still bullshit yeah because they're, they're afraid of um social media now because it's giving a um stand to conspiracy theorists yeah it's like oh and yeah i just i i totally agree that someone would just for the fun of it come out for complete suicide with their bloody work by just going coming out and saying yeah we've been basically dodging the stats this whole time I, it makes a lot of sense to me to come out and do that against your employee doesn't yeah it, it makes so much sense so you can get just... a job again yeah. so that's a that's, that's, that's a great move for a career choice isn't it but yeah. <laughs> but we're the dickheads for actually believing it but whatever yeah okay let's get back to the birth um and so yeah you had a you had a very easy pregnancy laura um you're very fit. You're very healthy. Um, yeah, anything else to add to the pregnancy? Um, not really. Oh, I guess like because I used to go to the gym like six days a week and then one of the big things for me was like stopping the gym. Like that was a bit of a – that was a really hard thing for me to do. So I probably kept going to the gym for like six months and then the last few months then just like just did stuff at home and walking and stuff like that but then I think being quite fit beforehand made a big difference um for my labor because like the night before I was getting up every five minutes and my legs were so <laughs> sore the next day um and my honestly my legs were more sore than actually giving birth because I just felt like I'd done like a thousand squats like the night before getting up every five minutes. I was like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Um, so yeah, no, being really fit and like eating well throughout the pregnancy made a huge difference and not having a huge amount of weight to like lose post post baby yeah. um, was also really good. Um, but yeah, no, pregnancy was great. Didn't have to buy any pregnancy maternity clothes. Like, so, she was so tiny, so, man. Yeah, I was quite small. 
it. But you were super, super fit. Yeah, yeah. yeah Your so. stomach before and even now is just <laughs> so tiny. Oh, my God. Um, okay, so, yeah, let's talk about going into labor and okay. the whole birth story. Yeah, so... So the day before I, well, like the night before I had like, con, like we'd gone and seen Narafia, our midwife, and we'd had a good chat and I was saying to Alex, I was like, oh. Oh, hang on. Sorry. Just before we go into this. Um, so you did have appointments with her, but they weren't kind of like medical appointments really. And you didn't have that many throughout the. No, no. So they were more just appointments for me to really get into the right mindset and headspace of I'm having a baby and me dealing with any issues that I had to deal with beforehand and dealing with it so that that I was ready and ready to go to have a baby essentially um so our last appointment um it was really interesting because Narafia she she's she's just so amazing she um she said oh this is the first time I could actually tell that there's actually, I could see a little girl standing at the bottom of a mountain. Um, but you are ready to have this baby because this girl is like a queen of Sparta. Like she is coming and then she's going to turn around and then give you this cheeky little smile at the end. Like, <laughs> so, um, so she could sense that I was close. She still probably thought I would go a little bit over because I was so small um and loads of people said to us oh no you'll be like 42 weeks 43 weeks like you're gonna definitely probably me because I'm like so (laughs) I have 42 week babies and I'm like so surprised when anyone goes early and and then so that drive home um was just really uncomfortable for me like I just was just getting like cramping almost um or it it's called that Pro, what's that? Prodomal labor. Prodomal labor, yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, so I think that's when that started. And then when we got home, then again, like I was saying, like the night before was just getting up and down, up and down. But then in the morning, uh, Alex went to work, but he could see that I wasn't looking super flash. And he's <laughs> like, I'm just going to go and do this job and then I'm going to come back and check on you and so you did that and then you I think you went and did another job and then you came back and you I think you'd called me like 30 times that morning because you were just so like you had a feeling I think that this baby was coming and then you'd finished work early and then you'd come home and it was quite funny because you got a work phone call to go to a job but your dad couldn't go to the job because he was down at the farm and you weren't leaving my side because I was in labour and so you had to organise someone else to go and do the job and then I had my nonna call me (laughs) during the day and I didn't answer the phone three times and Nonna really freaked out so then Nonna's calling my mum who's at work saying what's wrong with Laura is she okay and then I called Nonna back and was like oh sorry Nonna I was having a rest I was having a sleep and she said you don't sound very good 
and I said, I'm okay, no, no, I promise. And then I got a contraction and then oh, it wasn't a great like end to the phone call. It was like, okay, no, no, I got to go, I got to go, I got to call you back, bye. <laughs> and we'd never end a conversation like that. So then mum calls Alex and he's like, I'm coming over. I need to check on Laura. I need to see that she's okay. And Alex is like, no, don't come over. We're calling the midwife. And so we, he said, we'll call the midwife and then we'll call you back once she's been and we'll let you know what she says. But in the meantime, we weren't calling the midwife at all. Uh, <laughs> um, and so then Alex called my mum and told a little porcupine and said oh yeah the midwife's been it's all good yep she said she's all fine like she's not dilated or anything she's <laughs> she's great she's gonna be having the baby in a couple of weeks time <laughs> and I'm like oh okay good to know and in the meantime I get all these text messages with like a thousand emojis because that's something my mum always does <laughs> and she's like I just want to make sure you're okay and let me know if you want me to come over. And we're like, mum, it's fine. So this, like, by the time Alex had sorted out all the um, phone calls and fending mum off so she wasn't going to come over, like, that was probably, like, five o'clock in the afternoon-ish. And then pretty much from then, from five till 11.30 when Chloe was born, or 11.37, um, then, yeah, that's when it was really full on. Um, but it was awesome. Um, like we just had some really chilled music on and, um, had candles lit and had some like nice, like clary sage and stuff like diffusing. Um, but yeah, it was really nice. And Alex was awesome throughout the whole labor, like just kept checking on me. Like, do you want anything? Like, do you want a glass of water? Do you want a massage? Like, do you want anything? And, um, I just won't forget one time you were like, oh, can I just check to see, like, how far, like, how far along you are? (laughs) And then you're like, okay, I'm just going to get my torch on the phone. (laughs) And I'm just like, get away from me. (laughs) I'm like, leave me alone. (laughs) Um, But it was, yeah, like... Imagine if I was in a hospital, you just have like this random stranger doctor going, oh, spread your legs and whoop, oh, okay, no, nope, you're not, not dilated yet. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, it was just really fun, like, or maybe not fun, fun's probably not the right word, but um, it was just really nice. Like, it was, we were both really calm and Alex was there the whole time and like texting um, Narafia and just touching base, like saying that the waters are broken and... Then what did you say to Narafia when oh she said something to you and you're like, Oh yeah, that's definitely when labor's gonna kick in or something. Oh yeah. Um No, because I didn't text her a whole heap. It was only ever, like maybe like maybe three or four texts over the whole time. But um yeah, no, she, I, I, I got to a point because it obviously goes on for a while and for the guy it's pretty um it's you're concentrating a lot, but you're not really doing much, if you know what I'm saying. Like, And you actually get really tired because you are concentrating so much. But yeah, you are just sitting there. But it's just... Um, or for me, anyway, I was really concentrating, trying to just make sure you were, like you said, comfortable and 
you're up and down and do this and do that. And so, yeah, I did say at some point, I think, yeah, the waters had broken, rah, rah, rah. And then I said, like, how how do we know how long this is going to last sort of thing, you know? And she said to me, um, oh, has she has she asked for... Um, she said she can't do this anymore and that she needs some she needs some painkillers. <laughs> and I was like, no, no, no. She hasn't said that yet. I'm sort of thinking to myself, like, why would she, like, why would she, like, we're doing a home birth. Why would you, she want us, like, painkillers or something? Yeah. And she goes, um, yes, yeah, so she says, oh, yeah, when she says that, you'll know it's, like, going to be pretty close, you know. And then, yeah, sure enough, I think it was only maybe an hour or so later, yeah, she said, like, Laura's going, oh, I don't think I can do this, Alex. <laughs> I think we're going to need to get some painkillers. <laughs> and then I sort of said to her, nah, nah, it's all good. It's all good. And it was like, only time you said it, you only said like, you sort of just looked at me and you're like, yeah, whatever. But, um, and then I think, yeah, it was within probably less than an hour after that, that you, um, that's right. That we had, had the baby yeah. sort of thing. Maybe even a half an hour. I don't know. Sort of time sort of towards the end, like leading up to it, it's pretty like slow going. But once it sort of really ramps up, it it all goes pretty quick, really. Yeah. But but yeah, no, it's um, it was to touch on like when we, when you first had to ring your mum and all that, or she rung me. It was a very stressful time, for me anyway. Like, cause I was trying to keep you as calm as possible. I was sort of taking on all the stress and everything for you so that I could keep and I was just sort of telling you oh no it's all good and I was freaking stressed out like all hell because I had your nonna ringing me and telling like Alex you don't you make sure you do the right thing you take her to hospital and all this stuff and I'm like yeah yeah and then your mum's telling me she's coming over and like I'm trying to set up the joint for um to make sure it's all good because like we were super underprepared oh yeah because she was early well, you came over, Natalie, because yeah. um, we didn't really have anything. You didn't have anything. <laughs> we're like, yeah, we're going to just free birth this, but we've sort of planned for it in about two weeks. <laughs> and um, I think you'd got some stuff off Blissful Herbs. and That hadn't even arrived. Nothing had arrived. We didn't have, yeah, we really didn't have anything. Like, cause yeah, no, nothing to sit on or. Uh, yeah, I brought over a whole heap of old blankets and towels. Yeah. But no, the funny thing was, and you had shit all around your house because you were like renovating. Yeah, well, renovating. So yeah, there still wasn't that clean, and you I had to Laura... quite put everything back. Yeah, and Laura wanted to have it a bit more ready, and I suppose you envisage like this perfect, perfect like Zen room with like your candles going and your little angels flying around the room and all this sort of shit. But um, it's sort of, yeah, it just, I suppose we were surprised. We, we were surprised when she came because, yeah, we sort of, everyone had been telling us that whole time that it's going to be... Um, 42 weeks. 42 weeks or because Laura was so small. But but it's just, it's one of those things. It's, um, you just do what you got to do, you know. Like once it starts happening, you just make do. And we did it in the bathroom and just had those towels and blankets you that's all over, you need put them all over it? the floor and i made you a cord tie while you were in labor too yeah you made a cord tie so that was good but yeah oh and with that work that was like back to that again that was stressful that added to the stress as well because it was like i said dad had gone down south because i work with just me and dad that worked together he'd gone down south and i'm not sure why but 
he could have probably stayed, but knowing that you were so close. But anyway, he went down south, so I, I had to look after them. I had a couple jobs in the morning, like I said, and I said, I'll, I'll go sort them out. And then got home and, yeah, exactly like you said, got a call from like a good a good like client, like one of the shopping centers we look after. And it was like flooding. It was about to flood the whole bloody shopping center. So like really serious sort of issue, like... Like could have been a serious. It wasn't it in the end. It didn't end up being. It got fixed easily. And we just, I rung dad and I just said, "Look, you sort it out, dad." Like even though he couldn't get up here, I said, "Not my problem. I can't, <laughs> I can't do anything now." Like it was Laura was basically in full labor by that stage. Yeah. And then once we had got, we'd I've sorted that out, put that to bed. I'd spoken to Nonna, put her at ease spoken to your mum and with your mum it was back and forth a few times with a few different phone calls like you said with the um saying i'd rung the midwife and it was all good and that's why i did say to her i said oh no the midwife said she's come and said it will probably be a couple weeks i'd made it rather than say a couple days or i made it a lot longer because i think we'd actually i don't know if grace will listen to this but we'd um (laughs) told her that laura was actually due i think two two weeks later than the actual due date because just so that um if it got to that due date then she wouldn't freak out and it's more to protect laura again because and you you could see like i'm glad we did it all in the end as well because like even though she's coming from like the right place it just puts a lot of stress on you you know like it put a lot of stress on laura for sure that last little bit and probably me more than anything because i was trying to sort it all out at that last minute but once i once we had tidied all that i'd tidied all that up mm-hmm. and put all those people at ease you knew no one was coming and you could sort of really nest down in your house then that's when it really amplified for laura because laura could sort of just let herself go a little bit more i think and go yeah let's let's do this but yeah you really do need to have a really really like calm like comfortable safe place to be in i think yeah i think that's why a lot of people do struggle when they go to the hospital because you are under lights and there's people coming in checking you all the time and Mm -hmm. all that sort of stuff and it's just like i think sort of the um analogy someone gave to me about it was that animals you know any animal you look at they go find a like a dark hole even a dog you know you like your dog will have its have its kit like or a cat or whatever will have its um, litter and they'll go find a like a dark space and then they'll come out once they've had the mm-hmm. had the babies you know and like I think that's a really like good analogy for it like why why would we want to go somewhere else that's completely out of your comfort zone and to be poked and prodded I just think it does really like yeah if you're not feeling like comfortable and you just won't have the baby exactly you won't come out because you're not you have to be relaxed you don't feel safe yeah you've got to be in a safe place and that's what i think anyway. no protection. That, made, that made sense to me and that was another big reason i think we um we did it at home because we wanted to feel safe in our own house yep and what about people that get in the car in labor could you imagine that laura oh my gosh no no chance at all <laughs> like yeah n- never well i got in um 
the back of an ambulance in labor. That was not fun, let me tell you. Yeah. Right when head was on view, it's just like, oh my God, it was so much easier when I just got to stay at home the yeah. next time. Yeah. <laughs> well, like when when Chloe's head was coming out, I was like, oh, that's a tuft of hair. I was like, that's not my hair. Like, <laughs> and then like Alex was like, man, the head's coming. <laughs> and so then it was so like full on it was like this really it felt like two seconds like but it was way a little bit longer than that mm-hmm. and like Chloe's head came and like it was just out for a little while did, did it um did you get that ring of fire at all or not no not so that's really interesting so you didn't get the burning ring of fire as her head was coming out no yeah I think that's probably because um I read something the other day about I don't know what it was. I can't remember. But it was like basically if you're not really actively pushing that you won't get that ring of fire. Like if you're just kind of breathing the baby out or letting it slowly come out. But I definitely got it, um, well, the first time, I don't know, because I put anesthetic and cut me. But the second time I got it, and I think that was probably because I was forcefully pushing because I still had fear in me because of the first time of when I transferred right at that time. And so I was like, I need to get this baby out really fast. No way. Yeah. So if I so have if I have another baby, yeah, <laughs> learnt a lot already. Yeah. <laughs> but you got to do that the first time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, then like it was just so cool because I was holding onto the tower rail, like in like a semi kind of squat position. Alex was facing me but knelt down, and then he was like ready and re- like hands out, ready to go, ready to catch the baby. And then, like, Chloe came out and then you, like, slippery and slimy. And then you picked her up and put her straight on my chest and yeah, it was awesome. It was just so cool. And, and like, afterwards we were both just like, oh, my God, we just had the baby. <laughs> and then we called Nirafi and we're like, Nirafi, we just had the baby. <laughs> and she's like, what did you have? And we're like, I don't know. And we both, like, looked at each other and we're like, what did we have? Do we have a boy or a girl? Because we didn't check. <laughs> and so, so then, exciting. like, took Chloe off my chest and then, like, saw that it was a girl. <laughs> and then we were like, oh, we had a girl. <laughs> I remember because I was with Narafia, she was waiting at my house, and you called and you're like, we just had a baby. And then you were like, what do we do now? And then both Narafia and I burst out laughing, which is probably really insensitive, but it was just so sweet. You guys were like, oh my God, we just did it. <laughs> yeah yeah i remember it and it's um it was i suppose like especially in my sort of what i looked at i probably looked at mostly in just the learning and research that i did you do so much of it leading up to it and having the baby yeah and you don't really even sort of think about like that hour afterwards i suppose yeah um it's like you know you've got to birth the placenta and you know you've got to do all those mm. things but you probably don't really actually well i didn't anyway i didn't overly think about that side of it mm. that much so that's why it was we were both standing it was pretty like everything was dark that's sort of why we hadn't really looked but um yeah we're just standing there we did say that yeah yeah what do we do now <laughs> and um it was actually really good because after that point so we'd had the baby and we had Chloe there and we're just sort of standing there like going, holy shit. Um, <laughs> and 
then we got yeah Narafia to come over after that and that was actually really really good I thought because it was so nice to she probably just like did everything a lot quicker than we would have done it like because she knew what she was doing because like I said I hadn't really thought about it so she came and she just sort of said like helped Laura because like, Laura birthed the placenta like really quickly anyway and um so she did that and then she just did a few like checks of the placenta and stuff like that but she just did it really quickly and like then I I went and took Chloe into the um bedroom and I still had um because we did like the um Delay. like we delayed the uh cord, cord clamping. clamping yeah and um so I Laura she put Laura in the shower which I suppose you don't even think about so Laura had a quick shower yeah um well i just had so this was like very soon after like very very soon after so i had chloe with the placenta in a bowl yeah and i was just in the bedroom with her just hanging out and laura had a quick shower and cleaned herself up um and narafia just like checked her out yeah for any like anything grazes you, you, or... you had a few grazes or um i had like two grazes like one a little bit more on my left than my right but uh, <laughs> Chloe wants the microphone, everybody. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, no, just no tears or anything, just a couple of grazes. Yeah, amazing. Um, yeah, so yeah, you really enjoyed having um, Narafia there afterwards. I think the other thing to, um, a good point to make, and I think a lot of people forget about, and I don't think you guys forgot about this, but a lot of people do forget about the placenta. They kind of even forget to birth it. Like they kind of like think the labor's over when they've given birth to the baby. But I think it's always really important to remember, okay, now I still have to actively deliver the placenta and it's, it doesn't have to be hard work or anything, but you just have to be conscious because I think if you energetically or whatever you want to <laughs> call it, switch off from like, okay, that's done, then the placenta's not going to come and that can um, obviously not be great. So, yeah, just to know that that's always something, okay, now I have to do this. Yeah. And I think having, like I said, Narafia there was um, good as well at the, like the very end there because I don't even, I don't know if we had scissors or anything to no. cut it. Did or, she bring scissors? Well, she did, but you know I what think I mean? I, like, we were so, I had given you some like old scissors yeah, that I had some, used, possibly. which you could have sterilized, but um, yeah. But yeah, it's just all that sort of stuff. You just like, because we sort of hadn't really... We just didn't get ready early enough from that point of view. But it's still, that didn't really, I think that was good. Like, we didn't really, it didn't really phase us, which was good. I Like, it could have phased you. You could have let it phase you, but yeah. we didn't. Yeah. And and the whole thing with having the, like, the very end part from a guy's perspective, I thought is, like, I, I've spoken to people before and they're always like, oh, yeah, couldn't do that, man. Like, like it's a bit full on sort of thing. But I found that once it, you get to that point that sort of that final sort of half an hour mm. like you just your instinct just kicks in anyway mm -hmm. and you sort of like just doing things and you you think about like all the like the fluids and everything that come out and blood and stuff that goes everywhere and like you think about obviously before or afterwards and you're like, oh that's gross yeah but when it's happening you don't care like no. you just do it's like life. You just do what it's you natural. do you just make sure your baby comes out you know mm -hmm. and i remember that and like yeah i remember catching her and it came with the whole of the fluids and yeah. all that sort of stuff and it goes all over you but yeah. you don't even care you just so yeah. 
like it's so primal and you're so happy to have done it yeah absolutely such a beautiful thing yeah. <laughs> um okay and so then you Nerafi came she kind of just helped that after bit and then she you guys all got tucked up into bed yeah um, yeah, so basically um, Chloe like latched on and oh, yeah, we breastfeeding. started breastfeeding. Because you had a really easy breastfeeding journey, right? Yeah, yeah, I haven't had any issues. I haven't had. And that's like, like so unheard of these days. Yeah. But I think your training, if you want to call it like that, in um, pregnancy, like you trained into your intuition because you didn't do all the tests and you didn't have somebody telling you what to do your whole pregnancy. Yeah. So the same kind of happened with breastfeeding. You're like, I know I can do that. Am I... Is that yeah, right yeah, for yeah, you? Yeah, totally, totally. The only, like, issue I guess you could say I had was one day where I think I was – we had friends over and I was, like, trying to really awkwardly, like, hide my boobs and yep. and then, like, Chloe didn't latch on properly and then it, like, hurt my boobs. So oh, I had yep. to express for one day because my nipple yep. was, like, really Red, sore. Yeah. Um, but then after a day it was totally fine. Yeah. Um, but that was probably my only issue. Um, yeah. But other than that, I've had nothing, which has been awesome. Yeah, cool. Um, but yeah, then Narafia left at like one thirty or, or so in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we went to bed and um, and then, yeah, had a, I don't know, we just woke up the next day and then it felt like the visitors were at our doorstep. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because we come from a big family, you know, Alex and I, one, uh, got, there's five kids and then you've got three in your family and then big Italian family and yeah. How did you find having the visitors? Because a lot of people don't like having visitors after a baby. Was it a bit overwhelming for you guys or were you okay? Um, I, I, I didn't mind it. Like I suppose I've always loved having people around and mm-hmm. all that sort of thing. I think, um, like what time did we go to bed? About 2 a.m. or something. Yeah, we spoke to um, Justin and Lauren. Um, but yeah, I think we went to bed about 2 a.m. or something like that. And But we actually had a fairly good sleep that night, as like good as you can have for having a, mm. a brand new baby in your bed. Did you sleep, Laura? Yeah. You slept. Yeah. I couldn't sleep. I was like so on adrenaline high. I was like, oh, so excited. I can always sleep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, Laura's yeah, Laura's a great sleeper. It's just always bugs me because like I'll sit there and think about things at night, and she literally, I I go to brush my teeth and I come back and she's out cold. And I'm just <laughs> like, what the hell? But if it, only everyone could have that. But yeah, no, it wasn't too bad with the visitors. I like I was happy to have everyone. I I was probably more tired the next day mm. because like you're sort of on that high mm. and you have everyone over and it's all good and everyone's coming around and it's mm-hmm. sort of. Like you had a fairly good sleep the next night again, but it's obviously well your sleep's never as good ever again anyway. But yeah, um, it's just um, yeah. The next day is probably when it really hit me because you sort of had a couple hours, or what two a.m. to sort of people came around pretty early. I'm pretty sure. What time did people start coming around? Probably 10 eleven was it? Yeah. 10, 10, 11? Yeah, so it wasn't too bad. But we got up, and we got to do our own thing for a bit. Yeah, and then um. Yeah, people came around and then went to bed that night. And then I think it was the next morning. I think we tried to have a sleep in and all that sort of stuff. And that was good. But then people come around again and you sort of get a week or so of it. But yeah, it didn't bother me. I don't know about you. What Laura. about you, Laura? Did it? I, I don't know. We had a 
had visitors every day for the first two weeks. Whoa. Um, so I think, like, you could tell, like, who your great visitors are, the visitors that, like, help with, like, doing the dishes or maybe bring some food or yep. versus some of, like, the other visitors where you have to be, like, the host and yes. do a cup of tea and you're yes. like, what can I get for you? And, oh, just sorry, I'm a bit sore at the moment. Like, yep. so... Um, I don't, I don't, see, I don't think I'd change it. Yeah. What would you, would you do it differently at all next time? I don't think so. Like, I think like a lot of our friends were like, gave us a lot of space and said, oh, like, just let us know when you're ready for a visitor, which was probably a good thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, no, we were, I I think family wise, I wouldn't change that. Like I'd, I'd want to like show off like my beautiful baby to like all my brothers and like like family and like siblings. Mm. So yeah, no, I don't think I'd change it. Yeah, what about the birth or the pregnancy? What would you do different next time or would you have a midwife again or what would you do? Mm. I think I'd probably free birth next time again. But I don't know if we have a midwife. Yeah, would you have a midwife in the lead up? It is nice having that midwife to chat with you throughout the pregnancy that's what I really enjoyed about um my first birth is that that support that my midwife gave me that was really nice and just chat through everything um and especially when it's your first baby it's really helpful because if you have any questions you can obviously ask them anything but yeah I I sometimes did feel a little bit lonely the second time because I was free birthing I'd lied to everyone (laughs) Um, I felt like I'd love to be able to talk to someone about it, but, um, now that everyone knows I've come out of the closet, um, and people know that I'm a free birther, um, maybe it wouldn't be as lonely because I could talk to people about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I don't know if we would have, I wouldn't change a whole heap at all. Mm. I'd probably like maybe be a little bit like get prepared a little bit early just so you had those things. And I don't think it was it probably just makes it a little bit easier more than anything if you've got all those things um, ready and together Mm. and actually a bit organised. I don't think it would have really changed our experience as such. It's Mm -mm. just that you would have them a... um, It'd just make it a little bit easier, I think. And then you'd like to think that hopefully, like in regards to hopefully with like Laura's mum even and all that, that they would just accept it and mm. if we had another one because we'd probably do the same thing and all that and it'd be nice to be able to just let them know and then hopefully they'll just give us our space and we don't have to worry about that thing because that was probably throughout the whole pregnancy one of the most stressful parts is that that sort of other side and other people's opinions coming in mm. on top of it so because um, I, I, I like to think we know what we're doing and as much as we can and we're doing it the way we want to do it and I think everyone's entitled to that absolutely but yeah no I wouldn't change a whole heap and yeah I suppose the only thing would be yeah you'd have to think whether or not to have a like have Narafia again or something like that and I suppose like you say it is nice to have that backup because you you still at the end of the day like I said earlier on we're all still brought up with that whole thing, you need the medical professions, mm. professionals there. Um, and it, I suppose it is that little bit that's always going to 
be attached to us because you can't completely shed yourself from it being brought up like that your yeah. whole life. Yeah, or so, can you? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, or maybe you can. I don't know. Um, but it's probably in there somewhere. Like it's if you're being brought up with anything your whole life, there's always going to be a little bit of it in there. Yeah. And I think it's probably if that does like just keep keep that at completely at rest. I think it's, it's not a bad it. thing to yeah, have. Absolutely. It's probably money well spent. Yep, absolutely. Well, guys, thanks so much. That was really fun. It's always fun to talk to family and, you know, obviously we know each other so well and the story is really fun and had a few good laughs. Thank yeah. you so no, much. No, thank you. No, thanks it was great. Thanks so for having us. Yeah, that's wonderful. And thank you, Chloe, for being so thank quiet. Thank you, Chloe. <laughs> you say something? <laughs> No, she's just going to try no, and grab it. you're not going to. Yeah, and this Sometimes would be a nice little thing for her to listen to one day. Hey, Chloe. Yeah. <laughs> you were asleep, weren't you? But then you woke up. Yeah. Well, yeah, guys, that was awesome. Thank you again. Um, yeah, really uh, proud to have you as my brother and sister-in-law. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Renegade Mama podcast. That's all for today. But if you would like to connect with me, I am on Facebook as The Renegade Mama Podcast or on Insta as The underscore Renegade underscore Mama. You can also visit me on my new website, therenegademama.co. And there you'll be able to find out more information about the show, our latest birthing classes and much more. The Renegade Mama is all about following your intuition, not the institution. We are sovereign we are free. If you like the Renegade Mama podcast, then leave a review. You can do so on iTunes or our Facebook page. The Renegade Mama is released weekly on both Apple iTunes, Spotify, our website, or wherever you get your podcasts.